I need to, I need to tune in I, to be honest. Like I've only like heard the snippets and plugged in here and there. And I, dude, like just this conversation with you is going to, I mean, I have a lot of time on road trips and stuff. So I, I will be eager to, I don't, I don't know. I need to do a deep dive and I feel like you're only just starting too with this being your fifth episode. Time to dive in on everything Trey. Don't forget to like this episode, subscribe to everything Trey for more content, and follow me on social media. You're recording like in your sound booth. Like this is where you record all your music and everything. Yes, sir. Right here is where the magic happens, David. <laughs> so, and this is like, this is just like at home. Like you have a whole sound booth, record like... Yeah, man. Do you have to go to a studio for anything? No, dude. I don't think that... I think we're way past that time in the industry. This is like a whole Pandora box to get into. But like, we are past that and the, we're in the era of the independent producer, the independent artist. Um, and yeah, my entire room is converted and sound treated uh, for recording. So I have a closet that is also my vocal booth, which is it's a little bit more glamorous than just a closet, I will say. Um, but we do more than just record vocals in there. We throw amps in there because you want to isolate as much sound as possible. Um, right. Like there's carpet on the floor. There's like soundproof on the walls uh, in the corners and stuff. And uh, like in the basement, we have a whole drum kit. So whenever we are recording, um, I can just easily drop a line down there for a mixer and we can record from my room down the stairs and then just mic up the drum kit. So I think we're we're in this new age where we don't have to go to the studio and all these a lot of really major records have been made in honestly setups less sophisticated than the one I'm in right now. I never would have thought is like, oh, he's literally just at home. In his closet, recording <laughs> yeah. this song right now, like dude, it's hard it to believe. Amazing. Dude, thank you for that compliment. That really means a lot, man. I think that that's something I invest a lot in, in terms of um, like time, energy, and like just going the extra mile in the production world. But also, the mixing engineers and mastering engineers have a lot. Like, like they receive must receive a lot of praise for it because I think that I, I make it easy for them, but without their touch it just i mean it, it still sounds amateur with without their sauce on it if you know what i mean um but yeah j cole was definitely one of the yeah. first ones to prove that you can like go multi-platinum uh from your freaking basement i mean that's he he's kind of part of the blueprint he was part of that time but i think that covid was just a big turning point in terms of like when more people decided, hey, we have more downtime, let's give this a go, buy buy a quick like $500 setup between mics and cables and uh, softwares. And I think that's kind of what ushered this crazy time where you look at like Rit Momney with his cover of uh, Put Your Records On with like hundreds of millions of streams. And the dude literally was nobody before that. And he had maybe a couple songs out prior, but that song just, just sent him to stardom. He's played festivals. He's done all of this. It's, it's unreal. And it just came from his bedroom. Yeah, that is wild. 
uh, I think that's been one of the coolest things watching you. Like, obviously, your your career really kind of started to grow and develop into the person you are now through that COVID and coming out of where we yeah, are. Dude. If you ever say we came out of COVID, it's obviously still a huge part of our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's been interesting seeing your career develop on the tail end of that stuff mm. and seeing where you've come. Uh, knowing you in college and then seeing you on stage at Newport and stuff like that, that is mind boggling to me. And to think you all, you did all that and worked on all that stuff behind the scenes and got yourself set up while we were all sitting at home quarantining. Like, that's <laughs> incredible. Bro, I appreciate that, man. I think that there are very few people uh, who have been in your position to see me pre music at all to being where I am right now, which is kind of, I mean, it's got to be weird a little bit, but also kind of cool. It's been a it's been a funny shift because as our music, like I say our, like a band, as our music uh, has kind of gained a little bit more notoriety from like, I mean, day to day, show to show, whatever. Uh, right, it, right. It's cool. And I think more of my relationships are people who have discovered me or recognize me or care about me like since like this person I am like for who I am now versus I mean freaking three years ago I had put out my first song and that's it so four years ago I had nothing out in the world at all I had never played a show I mean my first show ever was actually two years ago and two days ago and that's just wild to I mean be headlining the the Newport it's it's just it's yeah, a beautiful, incredible, man. dude, dude, right? It's like a crazy tempest or a wild storm of, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. A lot of like, I just think the right people at the right time and some luck involved. Um, it's just been a whole lot of things going right uh, at the right times. And I don't think that's everybody's yeah. case, but you know, luck only works as hard as you do. So yeah. No, you're, you're so aware of the things that have put you in this position, which is very interesting too. Obviously, a lot of people in the industry that you are in, they don't treat it like that. Um, Thanks, dog. You know, being, being humble about the people who got you here and when, like you said, um, you said earlier, you know, shout out to the sound engineers and shout out to all the people that you've known that have gotten you into this position, you know, the, the luck side mm -hmm. of it, the networking that has achieved right. your status currently. Totally, man. Um, I think they're though. I mean, without those people, no one would be anyone, you know, everyone had to take a yeah. chance on somebody uh, at some point. And it's not to say that you're music and the stuff you do is not incredible. I mean, like you said, knowing you pre music and then, when I hop on Spotify every once in a while and I'm like, what's Adam up to? What's the latest release? And I go yeah. listen to it and I almost don't even recognize your voice anymore because you've gone on this whole journey, become a whole different person. Your music is incredible now. And that is a huge part of what is obviously making you successful and getting the thousands of fans that you have already in what you said, three years. <laughs> yeah, bro. Thank you, man. That's crazy to me. I think that part of that process has just been like finding my own voice more than anything, you know, because there are, I mean, there's, there's this whole trope, uh, in, amongst, uh, producers and people who like self-produce and it's, it's the stages of being a vocalist and producing yourself, uh, in, in like this artistry phase, it's, it's super fascinating because at first people who come in and make music, generally they are completely their own thing. They're an anomaly, but once they get good enough, 
then they and they begin to get compared to artists who matter i mean i say matter as in like have a lot of like millions of fans millions of listeners all that there's like the next stage where everyone's saying adam you sound like this guy or that guy or whoever you know and so you begin to tailor your voice a little bit to sound like them and then after that phase it's like y- you can only be somebody else for so long and then you just kind of find your true voice where it's all the best parts of things that people see in you <laughs> and the things that you can't run away from because time's going to win. You know what I mean? Um, so Maybe to some people this is obvious, but I'm not in the music – like I'm not a music junkie mm-hmm. in, the, in the sense that a lot of people that you probably know – are Mm. i love music i love listening to music in the car i got a record player at home i listen to music however what you just said to me is that your music is not just a reflection of the stories you're writing and telling when you're actually producing this music but it's also a story and a reflection of the person that you are yeah you just said that your voice has molded to reflect the person that you want to portray yourself as. Yeah, That's incredibly profound to me. (laughs) Dude, thanks. I think it's cool seeing, like, uh, everybody else's perspective and, like, the lens you come at it with music and still the ability to be able to empathize and recognize how, like, I I mean, artistry looks so different for everybody, but specifically for vocalists, that's, like, one journey that everyone goes through. And I think that's sweet that you can recognize that. I think that having these conversations with people who aren't, like, knee-deep or neck-deep even in this industry is my favorite thing because it's not like I'm opening your eyes to anything absolutely absurd, but, like, I don't know. I get so desensitized oftentimes to being like, well, all of my friends have a million monthly listeners. And so these conversations just seem so mundane. But in actuality, we are such a crazy small percentage of people. You know what I mean? If you're making art for art, that's when you get people like Jacob Collier and like Wolfpeck, which are just like these wildly complex musical geniuses where they're a musician's musician versus what a lot of like the contemporary pop, the Doja Cats, the Lil Nas's, the like uh, Maroon 5's where it's also, to be honest, not that deep, but like it connects with people on a surface level thing and they're not a musician's musician, but it obviously has to have a redeemable quality because you, I mean, you can hate everybody on the radio to death. You can hate them because their stuff's overplayed because you hate their voice, whatever. But I mean, if they have a international hit, it has to be liked by enough people that like it, it's kind of objectively good. You know, like there's some songs that I just can't stand. But when it's I listen like to the, the mix, effect. like who, like who, <laughs> like the Pitbull effect, yeah, I doubt bro. many people listen to Pitbull and are like, wow, a musical genius. Right? No, but millions of people listen to it over and over and over again for many years. Clearly he did something right. Exactly, man. It's, it's always a concoction of the skill, the network, and, and something that I'm growing to learn is the character, which is so fascinating. Because, I mean, there's no way Pitbull, like Mr. Worldwide is Mr. Worldwide every moment of every day. You know what I mean? And it's the PR. More, there's, the more, yeah, there's no way. Exactly. Like they got to be a dad first, be a friend. I mean, I'm sure that there are some young like superstars that definitely have that. But I think at the end of the day, 
everybody's just a person. And I think that's some more, like, I mean, I just played that festival up in Cleveland and got to meet all these crazy artists like uh, Khalid played, uh, Flo Rida played, Echo Smith, like all these crazy acts that are internationally yeah. acclaimed and like even meeting freaking people like Waka Flocka Flame when I opened for him. I mean, that they're just dudes. They're just people, you know? Right. I just think there's a level of stardom that is that you get to and then you're like, you know what? I don't have to be something anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that brings me to uh, something I've been dying to ask you oh, since boy. three years ago, <laughs> like you said, when you started your career. Well, I'm curious, um, what has this journey felt like to you? Like you said, mm. three years ago, you were a college uh, kid at Ohio State doing club gymnastics. And yeah. now you're talking about trying to grow yourself into – now I'm not going to get overambitious here and say you want to be Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> not everyone wants <laughs> right? to be not that. Not everybody wants pretty that. ambitious. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but you are, you are on a path, and I think it's going to work out that – you are going to find some level of stardom and fame through this path and this career choice that you've made. So what has that journey looked like to you so far? Like, What has that experience felt like and what in you and your life do you feel um, it's been like the most impactful, like positive or negative? Like where yeah, is dude. this taking you? Dude, thanks for that question. That means a lot also that you've, you've wondered because sometimes when I get – super deep in this, like in this hole of like, all right, just gotta, gotta get the next show. Gotta make the next fan. Gotta do this. It's so easy to lose sight. And like, I don't know, lose sight of the friends that like me for outside of the music thing. Like kind of like what I was saying, but, um, yeah, honestly, it's been the most whiplashy career decision I could have possibly made. You know, <laughs> whiplash esque is the most this is a perfect word for what this decision was. Um, I think with this trajectory, we are going in the direction where, I mean, I think that in just giving, giving it a couple years, we'll be able to sell a couple thousand tickets in every city. I mean, our live show is redeemable. It's meaningful. The music coming out obviously is connecting with the right people. So I think that that trajectory is right. And it feels nice to hear from other people as well. So thanks, man. I, I think that whiplash is probably the best way I can put it where at first it was just like the most fun where everyone's like, Oh, this is, this is a cute little side thing our friend is doing. Uh, and so I went from kind of investing so much time into gymnastics into, all right, I'm going to like try to do this thing and make it maybe a little bit more than a hobby, maybe play some cool shows. And I got that Waka Flocka show and that was cool. Um, but I mean, I think that was a point where I kind of, it, I was looking at a, looking at, you know, at one of those signs where it's like, uh, continue on or, or turn back now or like oh, die yeah, yeah. kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was one of those moments where I was at a fork in the road and I'm, and both roads are crazy long and I had to make a decision. And so I think that with that decision of running down this career path and like saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to rip it. I'm just going to go for it. And I mean, I'm not giving up. I have a cap for myself. If if I'm not playing the shows that I'm dreaming of playing by the time I'm 35, that's when I think I can make it another a hobby again versus committing to it to be my career. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think at this point now I could ever stop making music because it's truly 
just become my outlet. And I know that's cliche. I know that's cliche, but it's become, I don't think it is. You I know, think it's real. It's so real, you know, cause we condition ourselves, uh, to, to find ways of, of like comfort of release of refuge, you know? And I think that music is the thing that has finally like taken over. And I mean, in the past it was sports, it was baseball in high school. It was gymnastics in when I was part of club gym. And I think that conditioning myself to make it, make everything kind of revolve around that has been a healthy, uh, a, a difficult, I would say a difficult balance. Um, even at, like where I am right now, I think I can acknowledge that I don't do absolutely everything as healthy as I can in terms of coping and just like with the daily, with the daily struggles of life and whatever, I think that I'm, I've become pretty obsessive with making this thing work, but I'm finally somewhere I definitely wasn't a year ago where I could recognize that I can recognize that now, you know, where sure, kind of have yeah. to step back sometimes and have a community moment where my friends and my girlfriend and can, can say like, Hey man, let's go have a bonfire and not talk about music at all. You know, <laughs> it's necessary. That has to be so weird though, because music is a lifestyle. It's mm -hmm. part of culture. Um, it's something that I don't think you can really, you know, take a step without music somehow being a part of your life and your thought process. And See, I can take a break from my job for a day. If someone says, hey, don't think about work for a day, I'm like, mm. all right, easy. Yeah. But for you, you just get in the car and someone turns on the radio and you're at work. Yeah, I'm like, so, oh, how was that mix? Oh, wait, who produced this? Or Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. So that has to be so hard and so intimidating for someone to say something like, hey, take a break from work. You're like, but how? Yeah. Because it's everywhere. Right? Dude. Dude, very few people can empathize and understand that reality. It's one of those things also where it there isn't a done point. You know what I mean? Like you can always write another song. You can always, this is this is my least favorite thing. You can always make another TikTok. You can always make another post. Uh, yeah. Like there will <laughs> never be an end to this rat race, you know? That's something I'm learning right now. So, uh you will be episode five of this podcast Sick. and in the process of me just getting set up and getting up and running and posting the first two episodes, I've realized that the self branding aspect of creating uh, an image and a personality like that and trying to push it out to people, even before I have a fan base mm. is incredibly uh, surmounting. There's a huge pile of shit to try to shovel. Yeah. And every True. time you think you've got a hold on it, you look back and the pile is bigger than ever. Like you said, there's another TikTok to post. There's another Instagram post to make. There's another, like I spend 24 hours over the next week editing and mixing and getting every little right. thing right. And then still releasing something that I'm not happy with at the end of the day. Because mm -hmm. there's always <laughs> so another I thing agree. you could do better. Like every song it, absolutely. could just stay in the process of like, let's tweak that. Let's retract that. Like, Forever, forever, even the greatest songs of so all time. So how do you decide that something's done? Dude, that's a good freaking question. I think that I decide something's done oftentimes with a deadline I put on myself anyway. And there has to be some magic in it though, where I have to be able to listen to it and not have a major critique, you know? 
Um, if it's something really, like really small for me, it has to be like a crazy small tweak. That's the only, that, that's the phase where I think I'm like, you know what? No one is going to dislike this song because of that tweak. And no one's going to like this song because of that tweak. We should just. How do you not get caught up in that moment though? That where you go, it's just such a small tweak. It'd be so easy for me to hop on and in 30 minutes, this song could go from it's good to, oh, wow, I feel like it's perfect right now. Of course, mm-hmm. I know you're going to find the next thing that, wow, you need to fix that too. So at some point you're saying just cut yourself off because that's got to be incredibly hard to just be like, but if I just made that one change, like. Yeah, I honestly don't think I let record. myself get it <laughs> to that point. Like I I will get it to the point where I think it's perfect. And if I think it's perfect for more than a day, then I can ship it off to the mixing engineer. Like if I think it's mm. perfect for more than a day and it's been sitting there and I've listened to it on a Bluetooth speaker, in my headphones, in AirPods, in my head, on my big speakers, on my studio headphones, in my girlfriend's car, in all of it. Yeah. And I'm like, there's still nothing I tweak. Then I'll send it. And I mean, there, there will inevitably, inevitably be things uh, like a month down the road once I've listened to it a thousand times on, on Spotify or whatever. And I'm like, mm, we could have done that different. But for a moment, it was perfect. And I know that a lot of people love it for the way it is. And I think that if I get enough messages, this is some external validation that might be toxic. But if I get enough messages, this song is great then it's great. And who cares if it's not the most perfect thing on the freaking planet earth, you know, it's perfect to them. Yeah. No, I completely, um, I don't know if empathize is the right word here, but like, I understand what you're saying when you're saying that, you know, maybe external validation is toxic, but that's the key. Cause you're going to sit there and dwell on it forever. But if someone else is telling you, and if a lot of people are telling you, they like it. It's good. They wouldn't change a thing. That tells you that you did it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally so that, agree, man. That's a great answer to, you know, kind of what I was wondering. It's like, how do you decide when you're done? Um, I guess you don't, but other people will tell you. <laughs> exactly. That's. I think there's a feedback phase where like... Great knowledge it, to take forward. I think it's an infinite feedback loop if we just let it run on our own. You know what I mean? Like you and I can obsess and obsess, but until we bring other people into our process, I have like five producers that I send my stuff to. And then they're like, yeah, these are the changes. And oftentimes it's things that I didn't want to hear or things that I was already thinking. And then I make those tweaks and I send them a draft again. And then it's kind of like, yeah, dude, this is song is as good as it can be kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's a weird no, space that's to be good. in. Though. What other job has I know you that? say it's <laughs> No, you're you're right. Um I think it's only creatives who are going mm-hmm. to have that world of, you know, if you're a perfectionist, you're going to go down this path and I know you said external validation is maybe toxic, um mm. but I don't I think if it's done in a healthy way, uh it may be the only way to like safely go down that route because otherwise you're going to get caught up in that level of perfection and yeah you'd never put out a song and you'd have a hundred that you're still working on yeah. every day like that's fact that's worse yeah i think you're right i think though something has to have inherent value if you're going to put it in the world anyway i think that's something that i have not abided by completely through this artist project 
But now that I'm, I don't know, now that we've played with so many people, or specifically this time with King's Kaleidoscope, uh, they're my favorite band of all time, and it's crazy to be touring with them. But they've just, they ask great critical questions like, why does this song exist other than to like connect with people? Does it have a purpose greater than that? And wow. I think that songs can. And I think that King's Kaleidoscope is pushing me as I'm writing to put something out that is more than just like, this is how I felt and this is authentic because something authentic will always be desired. But what is it doing? You know, like what is the purpose? Uh, so I don't know. That's something I'm wrestling with and I don't think that I have the perfect grasp on yet. But yeah, I don't know. That's where whoa. I'm at. You know? I mean, that's like, that's a huge, that's a massive question to ask someone who, as we just pointed out, has poured their life and soul into this thing and you go, yeah, okay, yeah, but what's the purpose? Exactly, right? Like, it's it's the biggest you thing answer you that. <laughs> I know, man. The thing is, is like half of our set, he'll be like, whoa, I see the purpose in this song. I see why people have these lyrics tattooed. I see why people are crying halfway through your set. I see why people are excited. But like that second song, I don't know, that kind of just seems like a hollow breakup song or something, you know? And I'm like, damn. That, that Do you hurts. think it's possible, though, that it's just not connecting with them, but that doesn't mean, like you said with radio edits, for example, like it it connects with someone because obviously people want to listen to it, but not mm. every song is going to connect with everyone, right? Yeah, that's facts. You are so right. I think that is, that is a good way to look at it as well. I think that if it meant something to you, it meant enough. Um, and I actually just saw one of my friend. One of my friends posting something on her story um, and it, it was like this realization that she had that actually blew my mind as well. And <clears throat> on that story, it said something like something along the lines of paraphrasing here. But the thing that you are most scared to write about and most scared to share is the thing that will connect with your audience greater than any trope or any concept that you could ever try to write about. The thing that you're scared to walk on stage and say is the thing that half the room will realize they've been holding on to for so long too. So write that song. And if you can tap into that element of artistry, you've surpassed 99% of all songwriters. And that definitely changed my perspective a lot. The thing people want to hear is what you're afraid to say. Like, oh my God, that's incredibly... First of all, probably terrifying for you because it is, man. you have to embrace like your fears and and stuff. Um, but wow, that's so incredible. I mean, that makes the music that you're putting out mean something entirely different to me. Like yeah, as I'm man. listening to your songs, one of the things that brushed through my mind was like, what kind of artist is Adam? And it, <laughs> yeah, that's a great I mean, question. <laughs> obviously, everyone's going to have a slightly different answer. But what triggered in my mind was you write a lot of songs that remind me of like the depressive episodes in my life, but not in a sad way, because your music is always upbeat. Mm -hmm. It's always very, you know, in the clouds and you feel amazing listening to it. You're, you're obviously, you know, using keys that are making people feel that. But I can mm -hmm. hear in the, the words that you're writing and the way that you're saying them, like the deep guttural impact that some of these moments had on your life 
And of course, that's triggering to moments in my life. So it's in this really weird way, reminds me of some of the hardest moments in my life. And like my stomach would be in my throat if I had to go on stage and not just tell people, but like completely open (laughs) myself up in the middle of a song in that manner. Dude, absolutely. It's terrifying. I mean, it, it, I would rather... It, it, okay, so I don't know if you've seen that meme where it's like, no, but listen, yeah. you know, to like this, like whatever, super famous songs that everybody just knows the beat of. And then people are like, but no, do you hear him right, right. now? Would you hear what he's saying? And I think I would rather get up there and like perform naked all of my <laughs> songs the way I usually do high energy, go lucky, feeling good, naked in front of a thousand people. Then stand up there fully clothed and read out every single line and say, this is the terrible thing that happened that inspired yeah. that. This like really hurt and it meant something. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, it's so much scarier. And a lot of times people dress up concerts and dress up the words they say in a really cool pr- uh, production with all this crazy lights and haze and fog and all that. But in reality, it's like, dude, if you're listening to these artists and bands, it's way deeper than that, man. It's way deeper. Yeah, it's it's very interesting uh, to listen to the music you put out because a lot of people who do put out music that is so open and vulnerable like that, you can tell. But then you're one of those artists that do, like you can't tell right away. Like It's happy. It's go lucky. But there's something behind it that I can tell. It's like, well, he's been through something. This is him on the other side of it. Yeah, dude, but you went you. through something to get here. Mm. I think that's why, our, I mean, the top songs that we have have done well, though. You know what I mean? Because it's some of the some of the most authentic and raw stuff. I mean, my song Golden Eyes is, so, is crazy to me that it's completely like at the bottom of my discography because so many people resonate with it. That song has the most tattoos out there in the world of it out, out of any other uh, Is song. Is that the one like, that from means my the most to you? It, it might be, to be <laughs> honest. And it's just wild, though, because it's, no, it's not even in the top 10. It's like you would have to dig or be a deep OG to know this song called Golden Eyes, where it's like, don't fade. Like, oh, my God. It, it just says so many real things and I, I don't know that song and make it today which is i think number seven or something that song is also a super real one but i mean number seven's kind of down on the list a little bit but like that one has like there are a bunch of people with the tattoos that says um that says i know there's a deep end but it's not that far from the shore and i yeah. think that i didn't expect you know i, I didn't expect that to be a tattoo line. It's kind of funny how that has shaped my songwriting in some small ways. After I finish a song, I'm like, huh, I wonder which of these lines people get on their body for until they die. Yeah, you know? I think it makes every single line and every single verse that you write just that much more meaningful now because you know that there's someone out there who's going to take it to heart. And if you don't write something you really genuinely mean and that you would put on your body, why would you say it? Mm. Exactly, man. That's totally the thing. And I'm learning that. I mean, my most recent release, You're Here Now, is maybe my favorite thing I've Great ever song, made. Great song, by the it's way. Definitely. I, I didn't have time when you first Dude, sent thanks, it out, so man. I finally listened to it today, but I love it. Dude, thank you, man. It's just soaring. It's energetic. It's fun. It feels good sonically, but more so like 
from a from a perspective of meaning it has it has so much it holds so much and i mean the whole song specifically is like i posted something on my instagram story the other day where i said this this graphic is specifically about what my song is about and it has like one location where it's like the past and another location that's the future and it had like a you're here now sticker in the middle not in either one and it's like be present and that's what the whole song is about because so often I'm like either mourning or celebrating my past accomplishments or looking forward to something when I should be appreciating the now or like dreading something that's coming up when I should be appreciating the now. And I, and so the whole song is like, it's called You're Here yeah. Now because I think if you boil it all down, a lot of the human experience is comes down to, I mean, all of the human experience comes down to how much are you grasping and absorbing right now in this moment? Because I think that it'll make your past sweeter once you're past the moment if you are more present in it, you know? So... I don't know. That's just living in the moment and being where your feet are is the best way to experience life. Dude, facts. And you're going to get so much more out of that experience and it's going to it's going to mean so much more to you if when you see that one picture you do have, if you're like, no, I remember that experience though. I went through it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that dude, yeah. that's a great point to make. You need to live <laughs> Yeah, now. dude. Right. Like, wake up, dude. Go on that road trip. Like, just say some say to somebody you love them. You know what I mean? Like, just do the small things. Or when something crazy significant isn't happening and like, I don't know, you're stopping by like a Wendy's drive through. I don't know. Like, I think that as we get older, it's harder to be present. And so just because there are more things on our plate, like responsibilities and all of that. So I don't know. I think that we are lucky to have people around us who will remind us of those things. You know, I I don't know if you have those people in your life who are like, hey man, like, are you appreciating what's happening right now? Well, you're one of them now. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's facts, man. So I don't know. I think that I've had some good people in my life, specifically like my guitarist, Max. He does a great job of, uh, like he's our mental health coordinator in the band and He'll tell us when we, when we need to take a second. And I, I know at Columbus Against the World, that big show that I put on at the Newport, uh, which we're going to be doing again uh, this upcoming year, just a oh, heads that's up, exciting. so bring squad. Um, when we were there and there were a thousand people standing out there and I was just buzzing, I was bouncing from thing to thing to thing. Max like stopped me and he said, look out there. You did that. And I was like, I, I kind of got teary for a second. And it was just like a silent moment where I was like, wow. I mean, there were a lot of hands involved in this, but I was a spearhead there, Yeah, you know? And I think those little reminders are huge. So I don't know. I've learned a lot about that uh, as I read Tim Tebow's book a couple years ago about every game, how he would take a moment in the third quarter when he was not on offense to like take one minute on this on the clock one minute to just take it in, be by himself. And that was one of the healthiest things he could have done because he has to be game mode, drive, drive, drive all the time. So I don't know. That's, that just has me thinking. Dude, it's incredible how much you can learn from uh, what some of these people have to say, how meaningful and how vast, like you can apply it to so many areas of life. Like you're figuring out how to take Tim Tebow's 
conversation about a football game and apply it to your music career. <laughs> right, dude? It's wild. Humans are crazy, man. Like, one thing about humans is we're somewhat selfish. And, like, just self... Not selfish. Maybe self-centered, you know? And, like, we will find a way to make it about us for the good and for the bad. And I think that's an example of, like, one of the good moments where it's like, dude... He read somebody else's experience, made it about himself, but made it a greater purpose, you know, because, I mean, we can break this down to, like, the primal instincts that come with life, I don't know, that, are like, the desire to be loved, the desire to be respected, but, I, I don't know, I think that's cool. I mean, you're onto something there, because I know there's the age-old question of, what is the meaning of life, um, but... We're never going to have an answer to that question other than the biological answer, mm. which is just to survive and have offspring and, you know, keep that going. Like, that's the only physical answer we're actually ever going to get to a question like that. I see what you mean. Um, but you make an interesting point that, like, there's other similar questions or similar answers that we can get and give, like what you just said, like, there are desires that we innately have as humans, our fundamental want to, you know, to be loved and to have something to be mm. passionate about and to see those things in other people and to take them and make them your own. It's in a sense, it's kind of answering that question. It's like, Hey, you're an experiment of life. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, dude. Even if this is a simulation, even if it is, I think we're excelling sometimes. <laughs> I mean, other than killing the planet. But other than that, like, we're doing pretty all right. You know what I mean? Gosh, that's so real. I mean, I think that's something that uh, has kind of, I mean, this whole conversation's sentiment is something that drives the the, the merch that I, put to, that I put out and, like, the merch company that I run called People Are The Point. And I think that, that's at the core of it. It's like you, you desire for human connection. You desire to be loved. You desire to be respected. And there's a beautiful combination of those two uh, in everyone. And it's a whole spectrum, whether you want to be loved or respected more, which is a whole conversation in itself. But that's why I try to take pauses in our, in our shows and stuff and say, like, I want you to hug the person you're, uh, you're standing beside because, I don't know, you may never stand beside them again. You don't know if they need it. Maybe they don't want it. And if, if they don't want it, then they won't accept it. And that's fine. But I think that get, like just giving a chance, giving a moment, even if it's five seconds to say like, hey, you're loved when you come to this concert. Or hey, you're loved with that group of random strangers that had one thing in common. And it was that you like Adam Paddock music. Like that's crazy. The power and the opportunity more than the power that I can just say, hey, like, I'm going to let you be loved for five seconds in a way, in, in this specific way. So I don't know. People are the freaking point, man. I'll die on that hill. Be someone to someone. And the impact that you could have Facts. on their life yes. is infinite. And if you do it in a good way, Facts. you do things like what you just said. And maybe you give someone something they needed. And you could be negative, a negative mm -hmm. impact too. You could take away something someone desired so badly. And like it or not, Adam, you are a leader too. Obviously, people are tattooing your words on their bodies. You're a leader. 
It's insanity to me. Bro. You that have is a insane. profound impact on these people, whether you want to or not, with every word you sing and every word you say and every note you play. Like you're saying something to those people that they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives. And I love that you see that as an opportunity to do something positive for people because a lot of people would not see it that way. Thanks, man. That's sweet. I, I feel like you, the way that you interact with individuals just in, in lo loads of walks of life. I remember this fondly <laughs> specifically from being a freshman and making, uh, making our class feel really loved. It was pretty much you and Ethan's like soul sole responsibility that our freshman class was so strong socially I think and I think that that is a really difficult thing even if someone gave you or gave a random person that task and say like hey I want you to like be a conduit to let them be close and to be a part of it that's a really Im almost impossible ask for a large portion of the population and you freaking excelled in it so I just remember these types of conversations I mean, freaking buy high bar, buy rings, wherever. And on like drives home, on drive drives to meets. I, I don't know. There's something in your DNA that's made to make people feel valuable. So I don't know if that's something that you inher inherently claim uh, or know about yourself, but you do that well, you know? I looked at you guys as an opportunity to, you know, I don't want to sound corny, but like do something that mattered more than just like me, like not just my enjoyment. Like I wanted to be there for other people. No, dude, that's totally real. Dude, absolutely. I, I greatly appreciate you saying that. It's so fulfilling to hear that from people. So yeah, dude, you deserve the love that you felt and even didn't feel. I think that's, um, I think that without you, my college experience would have been really different. So I'm feeling lucky that, I, I don't know, reminiscing. Uh, feeling very lucky that you were an important part of, I mean, specifically uh, like going into COVID and everything. Cause we, I feel like we didn't get the right, I don't know, closure to a lot of relationships in that time because I mean, people like, like your age who I wasn't going to see the next year, just kind of like, was like, Oh, okay. Psych. See yeah. you never kind of thing where we had to just go so out of our way to see each other kind of thing. But I don't know. It's it's conversations like these where I'm glad we don't have to come back to this 20 years from now and find out that like, oh, wow, I mattered. And also it's interesting. I think everybody our age is asking like how and where are everybody? And I think everyone is asking that, <laughs> which is yeah. so funny to me because we're all asking. We all want the connection. We are all craving it. Yeah. I've actually know? got a buddy at Gosh. work that we're going through like that same thing right now. I can't speak for him, so I won't say we, but I'm going through sure. proxy with him. Um, that basically, yeah, we're the two, we're like the only people in the entire office in our twenties and he's even actually younger than I am. And it, it's just funny because we went to a, like a top golf outing for work one day and we happened to yeah. sit in the same bay together and we just got talking and he was like oh i was curious like who the other young person in the office was because i saw you around and we just kind of got to talking and it really felt to me like we looked at each other and we were like we don't have a lot of friends left around anymore right like he's from chicago moved here for work it's just him and his girlfriend mm. and he's like other than she's in med school and other than her med school friends like we don't really have anyone. I was like, I'll be your friend, please. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. so, like <laughs> I have an so example, weird. that kind of thing like you're saying, like we're all wondering where is everyone? Like if everyone feels lonely, 
okay, so do I. Let's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then how about, I mean, I, I don't know if you watch Yes Theory. Are you familiar with Yes Theory? Uh, not chance? really, no. Okay, so Yes Theory is the coolest thing and will give you FOMO at first, but then inspire you afterwards. So uh, Yes Theory is this group of five guys that's kind of ebbed and flowed, but been the same core three dudes um, for, I think, did they just hit their seven or eight year anniversary or something maybe five years i can't remember maybe it's eight million subscribers something like that but these guys just live out kind of the best way to make friends and it's every stranger their, their whole mantra is every stranger isn't is a friend you haven't met yet hmm. and i bought their game um and it's just like this cool thing where i mean the way they promoted it was they just sat down in random public spaces and had a sign that says play a game with me and you could get really deep really fast. And so, I don't know, I've brought that game around uh, places with where I know it's not like a party vibe. And I know it's just like a hangout vibe at like a park or something. And I've been like, hey, yeah, you want to play this game, whatever. And they have like levels to it where it gets like really deep versus not that deep. But their videos kind of just explore like what brotherhood has looked like for them from, I mean, when they started this thing years ago to where they are now. And how you naturally grow apart from some people and naturally grow together with others and I mean there's this one guy Matt who took a step away from the channel for two and a half years and he literally just this Sunday came back and was like hey guys I'm back for a little while and I he, he had a 45 minute podcast episode where he just kind of explained like I think that when I stepped away everything got really distant in my relationship with the people that were once my brothers that I could I've like cried over the hardest things in my life and celebrated the best things in my life like with those guys, I didn't have really any conversation or any communication and just kind of talked about, about what that's like for him. And I think the whole YouTube channel changed my entire perspective when I found it sophomore year. And, uh, their, their one mantra is, like I said, every stranger is a friend you haven't met yet, but their other mantra is seek discomfort because, uh, like Honestly, if you just walk up to somebody and it's not in a weird predatory way or like, <laughs> I, I don't know, in the right scenario, I think that almost anybody's open to a conversation, you know, and it's going to feel uncomfortable for a second, but you can train yourself to make that not feel uncomfortable. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people, that's a sentiment a lot of people come back from like backpacking trips w with and they say, oh, my entire perspective has changed, but more so they were just forced to meet new people, see new things, and find new meaning of life in that time. So that's kind of the yes theory mm. to me. No, that I like that a lot. And it all comes back around mm. to that stuff we were talking about earlier with like, what's the purpose of life? Like that little experiment, like how can you be the best version of you? And if I'm not having these experiences that other people say are life-changing, what am I doing? Dude, facts. <laughs> I, I'll... I concur with every single statement <laughs> said, man. I think that we we create our destiny, and I think that if we're not if we're not happy, I mean, this is a wild person to quote, but Theo Vaughn once said, "Nothing changes if nothing changes," and I that one shook me to my core. Those are the kind of quotes that I love, though. Whether it's a, a musical lyric or a quote from a movie or just, yeah, something someone smart said. Mm. Those ones that are like just three or four words long. And I'm like, wow. Because yep. when those hit, they hit harder than if someone gave you a whole paragraph trying to explain the purpose. behind it. I'm like, no, 
it's like a joke. Once you have to explain the punchline, it's not the same. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it doesn't have the same impact. That makes sense. I agree. Yeah, it's so true. You know, like you're not happy and you don't want to like feel this way and you don't want this job, change your job. If you don't want to spend so much time inside, get a job outside or do things in the evenings outside. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's like just change, you know? I don't get tattoos, but I wrote this song for you. Don't forget to like this episode, subscribe to Everything Trey for more content, and follow me on social media.